0: The 32nd regular meeting of the Medford City Council will now come to order. Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Council Bears. Present. Vice
1: President Carabiella. Present. Council
2: Knight. Present. Council Marks.
3: Present. Council Morell. Present. Council Scarpelli. Present. Present. President
0: Falco. present. All seven members are present. At this time, I'd ask everyone to please rise to salute the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United, United States, States of
3: America, America and to the, the Republic, Republic for which, which it stands. stands.
4: One
0: nation, under God, indivisible, eye, with liberty, liberty and justice, justice for, for all. all. Uh, in one minute, we will. Council Knight, thank you. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law. Council Knight, thank you. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, the provisions the open meeting law. Council Knight, thank you. Pursuant to Governor Baker's provisions of the open meeting law.
3: Council Knight, thank you. You got a man who's going to computer. He's here? Does that sound like that?
0: I did, but he keeps, he keeps unmuting, okay. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the Open Meeting Law General Law Chapter 38, Section 18 in the Governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting in the Memphis City Council will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Georgie. Specific information and The general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to attend this meeting uh, can be found on the city of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting, may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance or members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Method or Method Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Okay, on uh, the motion of Council, Council Knight to suspend the rules. Second, aye. Council Caviello, Clerk, please call the roll. Council Barrett,
2: yes.
5: Vice President Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor,
3: yes. Councilor
0: Scartelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. 78 members. 7 in favor. 0 opposed. The rules are suspended. Councilor Knight.
6: Uh, Mr. President, I offer this paper this evening uh, to suspend the rules so that we can take up paper 20559, paper 20634 and 20635. Relative to the finances of the city of Medford and appropriations thereof.
0: Yeah, for, I'm sorry, uh, Councilor Knight, you said the 20559?
6: Yes, followed by 20634
0: and 635. Okay, 634, 635, okay. okay. 20-559, offered by Councilor Knight. Update on the current fiscal circumstances and projections following the uh, close of the first uh, quarter of the fiscal year. Council Knight.
6: Um, Yes, Mr. President, this was a paper that uh, the Council had kicked around uh, for some time during our budget debates. We talked about um, how it would be a good idea for us to get quarterly updates as to where we were in terms of our financial stability, our projections, and uh, whether or not we're meeting, exceeding, uh, and the like, Mr. President. Uh, So I had the opportunity to speak with our Finance Director this afternoon, and uh, she is prepared to join us this evening and present us with a presentation where we stand uh, three months into the fiscal year after the passage of our budget uh, at the close of the month of June.
0: Thank you, Councilor Knight. So we have uh, Alicia Nunley with us. Alicia. Uh,
7: Good evening, Honorable Councilors. I'm here tonight to present uh, Q1. If you could please unmute Dave Rodriguez as well. Okay. If you could please allow me to share my screen to uh, show a presentation to the council and the public.
0: Uh, One minute. We're going to take care of that. Okay, you should be able to share your screen. Thank you.
7: screen yes okay so for q1 the city is meeting its target revenue estimates mm-hmm. i apologize i keep hearing uh some kind of ruffling when i'm speaking
0: uh, yeah. can you hear it now okay,
7: okay. yes Should I just go through it, even if it's doing that? Yeah,
0: yeah that's
7: fine. Okay, maybe we can may okay. shut up the mic. So the city's meeting its target revenue estimates um, for the year, I'll Just minimize that. Um, as you can see, the motor vehicle, there's a graph of the Q1 local receipts, budget versus actual. You can see the motor vehicle excise tax, which is the blue column for my estimate and the fiscal year 21 actuals in the orange column. Penalties and interest is actually up, pilots are where we expect them to be, hotel excise is up, Uh, local meals tax is up. This is the first time we've gotten a community impact fee, it's extremely small, Um, so I didn't budget for that. It's the very first payment we have, that's gonna be on the next screen. Um, Rentals, departmental revenue, license and permits is up, Uh, Medicaid doesn't come in till Q2. Um, Fines, investment income, and miscellaneous are the last categories. Uh, I just want to note that for Q1 CARES Act funds couldn't be used as a revenue offset and no more uh, federal stimulus is at this point. And the city conservatively estimated a 10% cut to locally, but fortunately the governor committed to level funds. On this slide, you're going to see what we budgeted for Q1 for motor vehicle excise. These are all our local receipts, penalties and interest, pilots, uh, hotel excise, local meals tax, community impact fee, which was really small, which is really only $224.25. Our fees budgeted at a million for this quarter, $250,000, rentals, departmental revenue, license and permits. Medicaid, which doesn't come in yet till Q2, fines, investment income, and miscellaneous revenue. So the 31st one budgeted, the Q1 budgeted estimate for motor vehicle is 667826, and we got in 637713. And to the far right, I also included a column for fiscal year 20Q1 actual, so you could actually see what we collected the year before, just um, so you could have a comparison between last year and this year. Um, boat excise, uh, we estimate 153, we got 153. Penalties and interest, 87.5, we got 118 313 Pilots, 450, we got the 450. Hotel excise tax, we cut down to 75,000 for our estimate. We actually got in 89,638.95. Uh, local meals tax, we estimated 183,375, we got in 194,875. Um, skip over community impact fees. So for the fees, we estimated 250,000. We actually got in 370,000 221. For rentals, 1,500. We got 1615. For departmental revenue, we we budgeted 156890. We received 153545. For license and permits, 565862. We received 568491. For fines, 31250. We got 8,416 so that is down investment income. We estimated 96 to 50. We received 6577 so that was actually down and miscellaneous revenue 50,000. We only have 8,000 so that was down but overall our estimate for Q1 was 2,615,606. We received 2,662,642. on this slide we're just showing you the preliminary 2021 cherry sheet receipts this is what got what has passed through the house way and means proposal so far um we had estimated a 10 percent cut to chapter 70 but as i stated previously the governor decided to commit to local fund of what we had this fiscal year 2020 so you can see that 12 million 143 306. a charter tuition 1 million 195 940. Uh, unrestricted government aid, also known as AGA, 12880443. Veterans benefits at 85,611. Um, elderly exemptions and VBS, 154,310. State owned land, 52,728. Public libraries, 69,107. So total estimated receipts at 26,581,445. Here are the assessments to those local receipts, but local aid, 20,303 for air pollution, 31,008 for the Metropolitan Area Planning Council, 53,660 for the RMV non-renewal surcharge, charge, 3,081,497 for MBTA assessment, $723 for the Boston Metro Transit District, 19,055 for special education, $84,917 84917 for school choice sending tuition and charter school sending tuition of 7714611 for a total assessment of 11805774 Here's just a quick summary of what I just went over so you could see it quickly, um, what we budgeted versus our preliminary um, local aid summary. So the difference in chapter 70, that 1089537 your honorable body reprogram back to the schools. AGA, um, we budgeted 11,000,916,986. Uh, we're actually gonna get 12,880,443, a difference of 963,457. Uh, tonight, we have a paper that's reprogramming 740,000 back to the city. And in other receipts, 1,031,317 budgeted. Preliminary, we see 1,557,696, but that's subject to change. we're going to go over the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act. So citizens across the United States receive stimulus checks to assist with the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, cities and towns were not given a revenue stimulus. Instead, the city was awarded funds that must be expended only on COVID-19 eligible expenses. Cities and towns have revenue issues and no stimulus package has been announced nor an extension on the CARES funding. The CARES Act was awarded May 14th, 2020 and will end on December 30th. The city has charged 75% of COVID related expenses to FEMA and 25% to CARES. The city is awaiting from FEMA, what expenses were deemed ineligible. and must be 100% CARES Act funded. Uh, the CARES Act 5,093,008 in fiscal 20. a uh, city, sorry about that. And encumbered 65,756.22 and expended 132,155.03. This number is reflective of 25% of the COVID-19 FEMA eligible expenses. In fiscal year 21, the city has encumbered 1,507,939.05 and expended 496,271.89. The schools in the city will be using the remaining 2.5 to 2.9 million for HBAC, PPE, additional personnel and backfill and various other COVID-19 related expenses until December 30th. Some of those other related expenses include food pantry expenses, uh, additional voting expenses that were allowable. Um, FEMA doesn't have an expiration or an award total. The program is open for all eligible COVID-19 expenses. And 20, the city had encumbered 47384 03 and expended 288388 and 36 In fiscal 21, the city has encumbered 102493 and expended $74,497. The FEMA funds were drawn down on October 15th, and we haven't heard back from the Fed yet. And there's additional amounts of money that I still need to reclass, but I'm in the middle of the close that's actually gonna go to uh, FEMA in CARES for back. Enterprise fund fiscal year 21 revenues um, for fiscal year 21 we budgeted $26,351,329 and for the Q1 we budgeted $5,616,207,82 uh, fiscal year 20 budget was $26,232,490 and last year we received 511544139 4, and if you look at the percentages between the two we're we're actually right on target for Q1 for our revenues for the Enterprise Fund. I don't know if you want me to go down category by category, I'd be happy to if you want me to, or if you're okay with just an overall summary.
6: Defer to you, Mr. President, The way I'm satisfied with that. I'm very I'm very happy with what I'm hearing, Mr. President, so I, maybe we can move on. Okay.
7: So for free cash and retained earnings, free cash as of June 30th, uh, we ended with 5,022,279 and 90 cents. Uh, tonight we have a paper reprogramming back $703,000 back to the free cash to increase the free cash ending to 5,725,279 and 90 cents. Um, and I have estimated preliminary uh, retained earnings at 5,946,094. None of these have been certified by DOR, I'm still in the middle of the close. So these numbers will change. In conclusion, the city's Q1 revenues are on target, but the city is closely monitoring revenues throughout the pandemic. The city's care stimulus is set to expire December 30th, even though COVID-19 numbers are currently spiking. The city is prepared to assess upon the new year revenues and place a spending freeze if necessary. The City hopes Your Honorable body will vote to resend 703000 of the 5496510 back to free cash to bolster reserves for the next year. Since the Governor-level funded Local Aid, the City is able to program funds back to the schools and City to stabilize operations.
6: Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much and through you to uh, Ms. Nunley. That was an excellent presentation. and it's very encouraging uh, to hear what we're hearing uh, in terms of the financial picture. Um, so this year's fiscal year budget relies on about a $5.5 million free cash appropriation to balance the budget. And based upon what I'm seeing now, um, we are uh, achieving about what? $2.5 million of an increase in state aid from what we budgeted for, if that's if that's correct, Ms. Dunley? That's correct. So that, that takes up about half of that structural deficit that we budgeted with the $5.5 million for um, free cash appropriation?
7: Yes. And that's why we wanted to reprogram some of that back to stabilize operations because we had to cut so much on the school and the city side.
6: Okay. And, um, and looking at, you know, moving forward based upon these projections, um, do you think that we're going to be in on pace to eliminate that structural deficit with our receipts?
7: depending on how q2 plays out yes i mean so far q1 is very encouraging we're, we're meeting and exceeding actually what we estimated so q1 looks really well it's now let's see how q2 through q4 look but yes
2: excellent all right thank you very much
0: thank you council night Council beers
2: thank you mr president thank you for the presentation alicia um similarly Yes, we we've had a structural deficit and used free cash to address it, um, but there were significant cuts um, to the budget. And I'm just wondering what percentage of those cuts has been restored so far on the school side and on the city side.
7: So far, well, for tonight, we're asking to program funds. So we haven't restored any um, funds on the city side yet. But on the school side, we have. I don't know exactly what the percentage would be. That would be something to ask the school finance director.
2: Okay, um, then on if we were to approve the uh, appropriations tonight, how much would that restore on the city side?
7: That, that would restore $740,000 uh, back to the city side for some positions that we need to stabilize operations. Um, I don't have a percentage, but I certainly can give you that after the meeting.
2: That would be helpful. And I guess just, um, this might be for you or for uh, Chief of Staff Rodriguez, but, um, how much of this appropriation would go to restoring positions that were cut versus creating new positions?
3: Well, fine, as, and we, uh, as the end of the paper that will be taken on later in a, just a couple minutes, hopefully, the, um, the position of facilities director was, was previously in the budget was cut. There was a funded but unfilled position that was there. Uh, the 911 supervisor is a new position. Uh, but that is something that uh, we feel is very important to stabilize operations down in 911 dispatch. Uh, Lieutenant Rudolph from the PSAP is here to answer questions in that regard. Uh, we took a very thoughtful approach when we looked to to add in any of this, reprogram any of this money to what we what we needed at the time. Um, so I can take a look at to compare the do the apples to apples comparison as to what was cut and what was being restored. We kind of looked at it with fresh eyes. Uh, when we were were drafting the paper as to what we needed now and going forward. It's important to note also, and Alicia can can shed some light on this as well, um, that the the appropriation that's going to be discussed later is for full year appropriations. We wanted to give the public and the council a full picture of what what this would be a year-over-year cost, not just what what we're actually going to need for FY21, uh, but it should be about half of that. Because um, we, as we do ramp up the hiring process for those positions, it should be a month or two until we get everybody on board and, and start drawing down money like that. So, um, we wanted to give a full picture of what this would be, but not what it's actually going to be for FY20.
2: So, I, I guess that gets to kind of the heart of my question um, on the thoughtful approach, which is where where does this fit into your to the plans for long-term plans that the administration has, and you know if we're prioritizing the positions listed here, does that mean that there are positions that were cut that we're no longer prioritizing or or may not be prioritized going forward?
3: No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, these are certainly priorities. It doesn't mean that these are our only priorities. Uh, These are the ones that we, that the mayor felt very strongly about uh, reprogramming back into the budget to uh, help stabilize operations. Um, I'm just looking over it again. Um, The facilities manager and the maintenance lines um, we are expecting a final uh, capital improvement plan to be released in December. Uh, it was the preliminary finding of the Collins Center working with our staff that the number one thing that we needed to do was get a facilities manager on board uh, as soon as possible. This will be a long-term savings for us uh, in terms of facility maintenance costs and addressing some of these long-term needs. Um, it's my understanding this has been a long-term priority of the council as well, so we wanted to make sure that that was in there um Ellen Bordeaux is also on board uh the call or she will be yep there she is uh to talk about the assessing position that's adding in her office um it's always been my rule <laughs> the way that I looked at it is investments in the assessing department are investments in the long-term financial health of the community and the more money that we invest in there the more the money is returned back to the community uh, based on our on being able to fulfill the goals of the assessment department and bring money back to the community to make sure that what we're assessing is accurate and and up to
2: date. Yeah, I think um, just, and and I appreciate this presentation uh, very much. So it's nothing about this presentation, but I think what might be helpful if we're gonna continue kind of going through this quarter by quarter process going forward is an understanding of how much these appropriations are restoring funds and, and programs and positions that were cut uh, in the initial FY21 budget, how much of them are going to new positions and kind of how much of that budget we expect to be able to restore going forward. So that's just my my uh, something that would be helpful for me. Thank you.
8: Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank uh, Councilor Knight uh, for following up on this uh, these type of presentations, in my opinion, are extremely important and aren't done frequently enough uh, to this council. So I appreciate council and I following up on this. My my question uh, is twofold. Uh, First, uh, what uh, regarding the capital plan uh, is uh, part of this current budget now. So so anything that's in the capital plan, what would be expended out of the current budget or do we anticipate bonding for everything?
3: The capital plan will outline, it'll be a five-year plan, uh, potentially a six-year plan, depending on how things are structured, and it will identify different funding sources for each different project. Um, Capital improvement plans are generally guidance roadmaps. They're not necessarily budgets per se. Uh, Spending would be included within the budget and be subject to appropriation from the city council. But a CIP is just to give the, the council, the administration, and the community a good sense of what the needs are, so that we can, can plan for in the long term. Uh, so there will be, as part of the, the analysis that was done by the Collins Center, uh, it's not only just identifying the projects, but working with Alicia and her team as to identify potential funding sources. So it's not always it's not always bonding. Sometimes it's uh, using proceeds from the sale of the sale of real estate, for example, is a good one. Um, also, grant funding. Uh, I know there's some 911 funding minutes in there. You, you, the the using our money as intelligently and as resourcefully as we possibly can to address the capital needs. So they took a, a deep dive with all that. They were work, they've been working closely with the leadership on the process.
8: Right. So uh, on line to uh, what Councilor Beers mentioned, uh, do we have any idea what percent of this 740,000 would be actually items that would be part of the capital plan?
3: There's a $200,000 line item that's in there to address maintenance uh, for for the remainder of FY21. Uh, Where, we're, as part of the FY22 budget development process, we'll start to take a look at what those needs are and start to fold in some things from the capital group plan as it's finalized in December.
8: So, so this $740,000 would be an integral part of moving forward with a five or six-year capital plan.
3: As part of folding in the, the, the facilities manager and this. This little, this small $200,000 nest egg for facilities maintenance is going to be a huge part in, in right. making sure that we get some momentum as part of that, that long term plan. That's correct.
8: Right. So, so why, why are we taking this approach that we haven't seen a capital plan, but we're moving forward with items that may or may not be part of the capital plan?
7: Well, I, think it's, I believe the facilities and the and the maintenance has been a huge thing that the city council has been talking about. I know the mayor's office has been talking about it with looking at, you know, the different fire stations, looking at, you know, the different buildings and the different needs within the school system. Uh, this is just the first step towards taking care of that need. It's really not, I mean, it's in the capital plan, but this is, this is definitely a need that I think both the mayor and the city council will agree.
8: With. And the reason why we're moving forward now, although we just did the budget, uh, you know, four months ago is that uh, this newfound money is giving us the ability to, to, uh, progress on some of the issues that, uh, the city needs to move forward on. Is that why we're looking That's at
7: cor- this? That's correct. We cut, you know, we took a 10% cut assumption with our local lead and we were very thankful the governor level funded to fiscal year 20 levels, which gave us some flexibility to take care of those needs.
8: So, my my other point, and and I think uh, you're right with some of these concerns, um, and I I do support uh, many of the items in here. um, And when we get to this paper, I have other questions on this paper itself. But um, regarding some of these positions, uh, there's been long discussion, not just this particular year with uh, the election that the elections department just went through, but uh, for the past several years. Uh, this city has requested an election coordinator. Uh, We currently don't have someone that coordinates our elections. We we do have a city clerk that wears multiple hats, but uh, he is not an elections coordinator. And all the surrounding cities and towns that I looked into have that position. And uh, for some reason, uh, the city of Medford, with a city of almost 60,000 people and 41,000 registered voters, Uh, we don't have someone that coordinates our elections. And I think that's a shortfall uh, in this community. And uh, with everything going on nationally, um, that uh, it's very important that uh, we have someone that uh, can make sure the integrity of our election um, is uh, what everyone would come to expect. So uh, have we looked into, I know this council has put forward several and I know I've put forward a couple, and I know my colleagues have several requests for the city administration to hire an elections coordinator. I believe the mayor has sat down uh, and has discussed the issue. Uh, Can you give us an update where we stand with an election coordinator and why it's not part of this list here? Well, thankfully this year, the CARES Act has
7: allowed no funding. Uh, towards the election, so I've been allowing the um, Clark to use CARES Act funding to help with election costs that are unbudgeted, and I will let uh, Dave speak um, on the uh, Mayor's behalf, but for right now, that's, that's the best use of the fund was to use our grant funds at this point.
8: Right, but, but those, are, those are one-time funds, and I'm talking about a long-term plan in the community to have oversight within a, a very important department. And I think when uh, this list that we're going to go over soon, that was presented to us, uh, this is to help uh, the city move forward on some shortfalls that we have, uh, or shortcomings, I should say, um, in uh, how we operate city government. And in my opinion, election coordinators should be at the top of the list, to be quite frank. Um, So uh, I would hope that uh, we can get some answers tonight on this.
3: Sure, these were conversations, so uh, Councilor, you're 100% correct. We did have a conversation with with Clerk Hurtubies and some of his team uh, shortly after the September election to kind of do an after action, to try to debrief a little bit on what we could, what we, what we could do better, and some improvements that we could make for November. Um, and we did work together. The mayor's office provided, attempted to provide as much support as we possibly could to Clerk Hurtubies. We hope that it was helpful. Um, and we kind of regrouped at that point and we said, all right, let's get through the 18th of November when the, the election's certified, do the same thing again, and evaluate what that position could look like. Uh, what what they would do in a 12-month cycle, what they would the duties that they would have to perform, the type of compensation, and, and really be thoughtful about how we were to approach it instead of creating something in the heat of the election uh, that might not be in the long-term best interest uh, to do things. But we are certainly evaluating it, and we're, we're hopefully going to have a, a good conversation with Adam and his team uh, shortly after the, the election is certified on the 18th uh, to to assess just that.
8: Okay, so, so um, and, and I appreciate uh, that response, Dave. Uh, it's, it's my understanding that a fair amount of work over the past two years has already gone into uh, what this petition uh, position uh, would uh, uh, be created for what purpose. The duties and responsibilities, the actual job title, who they would oversee, um, the responsibilities, uh, the uh, salary in the position. So I, I think a lot of the legwork that you just mentioned has been done. So to hear that this is something that we're going to look at once again after the election, uh, seems uh, to be, with all due respect, more lip service. Um, so um, in order to get my support for this particular paper, and I don't know where my colleagues uh, stand, but I can tell you we've all reiterated this over and over and over again ad nauseam. Uh, I will not support a paper that doesn't include an election coordinator position, and you you can work out the details. Uh, you know the uh, facilities manager. Uh, I haven't seen a job description uh, other than uh, the title and uh, the salary. I don't know anything else about that position, but it found its way in this pa- paper, and I would think, uh, in in my opinion, that there's been more homework and due diligence uh, done already. Uh, for the election coordinator position, the needs there, the demand is there, and the integrity of our elections is extremely important in this day and age. And to have someone facilitate and pull this together, uh, I, I think is vital in this community. Extremely vital, uh, uh, you know, so uh, I, I, I just want to put that out there. I will not support this paper uh, unless the paper includes uh, the election coordinator position that this council has voted on, I believe unanimously a half a dozen times in the last two years. And I'll let my colleagues speak for themselves. So I just want to let Depends you on, are, know yeah, where, where just, I stand on this.
3: I, I have not personally seen in, in a job description or a, a compensation study or, or any of the duties and responsibilities. We, I haven't seen anything detailing that sort of thing. If that exists, I'm happy to take a look at it and elevate that to the mayor as soon as possible so that we can, we can further evaluate and take those things into consideration. So, But just to note, we have not
8: seen that information today. I I, I believe it's out there, so uh, we will get you a copy of that. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Any questions from the (coughs) Council? Councilor Bears.
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, For one, I agree with Councilor Marks on the elections coordinator position. I think it's essential. I just had one more question, and I didn't want to, I was trying not to mix topics too much. Um, In the presentation, Alicia, you mentioned that 2.5 to 2.9 million in CARES will be spent on HVAC, PPE, and additional personnel. Do we know what additional personnel would be covered uh, under that?
7: Uh, yes, so for the school side, they asked if they could have some additional aids to help with the hybrid model. So for the school side, they'll have some additional aids. Um, as far as personnel, also any backfill or if anybody gets sick and needs some, we need to hire somebody to cover their position, that would be the additional personnel
2: and on the hvac is that just school hvac or city hvac um
7: that would be the school's hvac
2: got it thank you very much
3: and just to add on the personnel side uh, that the personnel costs for uh, that are being used for cares also covers the cost of greeters at city hall contact tracers food security folks as well as a number of other individuals supporting our thank you thank you council beers
2: council
0: uh, vice president caviello then Councilor Morel. vice president caviello
4: Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, do we have a, a, a summary of where we are with our HVAC stuff at the schools a, as of today? Dave.
3: Uh, Dave I, I, a, I didn't have that information prepared for this evening. Uh, I can, we can circle back to the school to the school department and see if we can get that for
4: you. If we could, i would be appreciated because I don't uh, uh, I, I don't know where we're at. And I think I think the people would like to know where we're at with uh, having that uh, ready to go moving forward.
0: Vice President Caviello, if I may, do you want to add that as an amendment to the paper that we receive an update with regard to the HVAC situation at Medford High School or?
4: Yes, if you, if, you schools? Schools. If, you could, if you could add that as an amendment to the paper. Second.
0: Point uh, information. President. Okay, uh, of information, sorry. Councilor Scott
1: Kelly. If we can add to that amendment, I know that um, in the update of who's going back to school, I think that we've asked that at the last meeting and parents have been calling us that I believe juniors and seniors are going back in the vocational school and they're very confused. So if we can get an update with that, as, as, if that's okay, as well.
4: So you have an amendment from Scott
0: Carpelli as well.
4: Vice President Carvelli. And if we get one more Mr. President the the paper. Um, if we can get a, a report on where our staffing levels are with the, both the police and the fire departments. Uh, I, I know we were short some people um, on both the bench, and uh, there'll be some retirements coming up next year. Uh, do we have a plan to put people in classes? Because uh, I know it takes about a year to get a policeman out to the floor. So if we can get an update on uh, where we are staffing with both the police and the fire, and if, if we have anybody in classes uh,
5: at the moment. Okay. Uh,
0: we have that amendment. Thank you, Vice President Caviola. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, thank you, Vice President Caviola. We have Council Morrell.
5: Thank you, Mr. President, um, if through the chair, I could just ask uh, Alicia just a few questions, just to offer, I'm sorry, for clarity. Um, remind me of the deadlines as far as the CARES Act funding. Is it that services need to be rendered by that December date? It's billed, how does that, I'm just trying to understand how that 2.5 to 2.9 um, applies as far as regarding, would that only be staff for um, before the, the break? Or if you could just offer clarity on how that money um, and the timing of how it has to be spent.
7: Sure. Um, Yes, it services have to be rendered by December 30th.
5: Okay, so it would only cover um, personnel for the remainder of I guess this term until the the Christmas break. Uh,
7: It would cover till December 30th. So they they could charge up to December 30th and after that they could not.
5: Okay, so just to make sure uh, uh, I'm clear on this. So that could not cover staff. um, That would not support any staff from January through the spring.
7: You are correct. That that You are absolutely correct. Even though COVID is, is uh, soaring, there's no extension right now, um, no further stimulus, and it's set to expire December 30th.
5: Okay, and so, and do you um, believe you will, you're able to spend all 2.5 to 2.9, or, or will, might you come back and say, just due to what was accepted and what was available, we spent X number of dollars out of this? As a, As of
7: right now, I estimate we will fully expend. My big concern more is with FEMA. FEMA takes a long time to tell us what's accepted and not accepted. Um, And if we charged it to FEMA, that 75%, and then FEMA comes back and says, no, I got to move that to CARES. So they kind of move in tandem. So I'm hoping that we will hear something from FEMA soon on our first drawdown so we know what items are rejected versus what items are accepted.
5: Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Council Morrell. Council Scarpelli. Uh, thank
7: you, Mr. President.
1: And Alicia, uh, thank you for all your work. Here. I know you're putting more money on with everything. My question was I know that you, you were in sort of a hot seat last time. Um, just to be clear, all of our funding will be uh, spent with the CARES Act, correct? Correct. Okay, so there's not going to be the, the biggest thing is how are we leaving money on the table? That's not happening, correct?
7: We don't
1: know. So, right. Okay. We so don't, we estimate
7: we're going to fully expend it by December 30th.
1: Okay. Thank you. And then I, I know I, I too have a couple of questions with when Council Marks brought up with with the facilities and uh, a little bit more detailed. I don't know if it was a if it was a, a, a mistake, but I thought, or maybe my mistake, that when you were talking about the fine uh, the uh, facilities position. That person is only working on city buildings, correct? Johnny McLaughlin's still in charge of the school buildings? Is that person now going to be overseeing all the buildings in the city?
3: So there will be a, there will be some crossover on the building on the building and school side. Okay. But in terms of uh, this is more of a facilities, a strategic facilities position in, in lieu of in addition to what Mr. McLaughlin does on the school side. So this is designed to complement the work that, that John does. Yep. Uh, not to replace it uh, and, and look at look at strategic facilities maintenance in a more comprehensive way across the board uh, both city and school side.
1: okay and I know I keep I don't want to keep jumping around I know that this is different topics but um, again I appreciate all the work we're doing and I, I know um, this is getting difficult so I, I'll leave more questions to our other resolutions so thank you
0: Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Knight.
6: Um, Mr. President, thank you. I'd like to just um, amend the paper and request uh, that we receive a copy of the Warren articles from January to date and uh, monthly thereafter. You know, the Warren articles are where we spend our money, the bills, and how we paid for them. Um, so I'd like to add that in the form of an amendment, Mr. President, uh, or, uh, or a motion to amend the paper, a B paper, or we want to move forward on it. Uh, but it sounds like we have uh, an update on the HVAC system and a an, uh, copy of the Warren articles from January to date and monthly thereafter as amendments to paper 20559. Um, we have a lot of discussion a lot of talk about the other two papers that are on the table, and those are the money papers, Mr. President. Um, I'm very satisfied with the presentation that we got this evening, so I'm going to be bold and suggest that um, we take this paper to a vote and uh, we move on to the money papers.
0: So we have the amendment. The amendment would be to get year-to-date, uh, that's calendar year, January 1st, uh, uh, Perfect. Okay, great. Thank you, clerk. If, if, I, uh, if uh, council, uh, council knight, if you wouldn't mind, if I ask a quick question to
6: but, yeah, the boss, man, yeah, okay. can judge.
0: Thank you. Um, so uh, let's see. So Alicia, thank you very much for your report. Appreciate it. Um, would it possible? Would it be possible that the council gets a rep- uh, gets a copy of that report?
7: Absolutely. I'll send it to the clerk.
0: Okay. Thank you. And um, with regard to uh, you talked about your month end close. You're closing the month of October still, am I correct?
7: I'm closing the fiscal year.
0: Oh, oh, you're closing the fiscal year. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, I, I kind of, I guess have a, have a more specific question, because I know uh, we had a lot of uh, discussion uh, in our prior meetings about KP law. Uh, how do those numbers look so far with regard to Q1? Uh, what was budgeted versus what, um, what was actually spent? I know there's a lot of projects going on. I know Uh, we've had a number of meetings with different uh, for different ordinances we've had different attorneys from kp law helping us with each of those projects and i believe they're also helping out on the 40b front as well so i was wondering if you could just kind of comment on that as to where we are Um, are we in line with what we have budgeted for that specific uh, expense to kp
7: law i have a purchase order for kp law but i haven't processed any invoice payments yet
3: so I can speak to that, Mr. President. Yeah, the the, the, the appearances from attorneys from KP at, at council meetings and, and other those are all covered under the retainer agreement. So that that's not an hourly fee. Any adversarial matters are based on that that uh, that that fee that hourly fee that's, that that was inside the proposal. Um, and I believe that we are in line with what we were budgeted. They are separate. So the the board of appeals manages that litigation process. 40 b's uh, we can get a breakdown of what they've done so far um, on that but, it, but it's my indication that everything's been in line with what we what we budgeted so far
0: so so if i'm correct 40 b's are outside of the sixty thousand dollar uh contract
3: the five thousand dollar a month retainer yes any adversarial anything adversarial any litigation or anything like that would be outside of that retainer.
0: okay so can, can we get a breakdown of that uh, if someone else wants to offer that uh oh, so if uh on the motion of uh, Vice President Carviello to second by Council Knight, to get a breakdown of the fees so far paid to KP Law under the $5,000 a month contract, and with regard to um, uh, any work that's done, for example, like 40 B's outside of that.
4: Anything
0: over, over anything over the $5,000 a month? That Do you have that? Counsel? Uh yeah. Um and if I may, uh, more specifically, um, have, uh, Alicia, have we paid? Um, have we paid any uh, claims um, in excess of five thousand dollars this calendar year uh, that that did not come before the council for approval? Have we paid, paid any
7: what? Sorry,
0: I apologize. Uh, any? I, I apologize. Uh, any claims against the city in excess of five thousand dollars?
7: I would have to get back to the council and look, look for that. I, I don't have that off the top of my head. I'd have to research.
0: Okay. Could you please, uh, actually, Vice President? Okay. If uh, Vice President Caviello, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if we could have an amendment to um, the paper to get a breakdown of all claims that have been paid over five thousand dollars since January first, two thousand
4: twenty. Mr. President. In
0: anything pending. Seconded by Council tonight. They're all amendments. And if I may, uh, last but not least, and this is for uh, 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 Dave Rodriguez, Chief of Staff. Um, I believe Council Knight has asked repeatedly uh, since January 1st for a breakdown of consultants that the administration has hired. Um, um, is are we gonna get a, that breakdown of the consultants? Uh, who's been hired, what they're doing, how much they're paid? Um, that's, it seems to have fallen upon deaf ears. I know it's a request that's been made numerous times by this council, and we have yet to receive any type of documentation. Could you please? Well,
3: uh, I, I, will, I will actually correct you. We did send something over the summer, um, after it was requested. So I can look back at my records. I know that it was sent via email, so I can send that over. I think it was in a memo that we included regarding the budget process. So I'm happy to, send that to, to resend that along.
0: It was a breakdown of consultants that were hired? Yep. In what they're doing? Yep. And how much they're being paid? Yes. If you could resend that, I'd greatly appreciate it. As requested. I, I, because I, a number of my colleagues uh, don't remember seeing that. I know I haven't seen it, so.
9: Um,
6: um, I do believe that document does exist, and then um, recently we also asked for uh, a report on whether or not we're using outside counsel to negotiate salaries, uh, negotiate contracts. You I remember know, got that. a response to that as well, I believe. So we've gotten a couple of responses. I but, remember that. I just uh, don't remember. Yeah. I mean, I think it might even warrant a committee of the whole, Mr. President, if that's, if that's the case, you know what I mean? So we can all get on the same page and yep. certainly be willing to entertain that as well.
0: Absolutely. Any other, counsel, any other questions from the council? Alicia, thank you for your presentation. On the motion of Councilor Knight, seconded by Vice President Caviello, as amended by Vice President Caviello, Councilor Scarpelli, Vice President Caviello, Councilor Knight, Vice President Caviello, and Vice President Caviello. On that motion, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Councilor Barris. Yes. Vice President
3: Caviello. Yes.
0: Councilor
3: Knight. Yes. Yes. Councilor Marks yes council yes councilor, yes. councilor yes
0: yes, yes. 70 affirmative, zero in the negative the motion passes well under suspension we have 20-634 communications from the mayor november 5th 2020 to the honorable president and members of the memphis city council city hall memphis massachusetts 02155 dear mr president and city Councilors, i respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body Approves the, uh, to partially rescind the appropriation of free cash per council paper 20-464. In the amount of $703,000 that was used to subsidize the fiscal 2021 general fund budget due to the health pandemic and current economic conditions. The balance of free cash before this vote is $5,22,279.90. Finance Director Alicia Nunley Benjamin is present to answer any of the council's questions regarding this matter.
1: Move approval, Mr. President.
0: Sincerely, Brianna Longo-Kernbeil. <laughs> I
1: think uh, Mr. President, move approval. I think that- uh, Are
0: there any questions on this? I just make sure nobody wants to speak. Second. Okay, on the motion of Councilor Scarpelli. Second. Seconded by Councilor Beers, Councilor Knight.
2: Um,
6: uh, an item of this much severity, I just would like a, brief presentation from uh, the finance director. Mr. Yeah, President, um, you know, we're taking a vote. We took a $5.5 million vote um, some months back and uh, we're taking a vote now for 700K. So I think it um, would make sense to get at least a presentation to bring us full circle. Okay.
0: Alicia, if you could please uh, uh, give us a brief synopsis of the paper.
7: Before. Yes, yes, so we're asking to and 703,000 back. Fortunately, um, our new growth number actually came in higher uh then we expected we had budgeted a million, but we actually got a million seven and that's allowing us to reappropriate back to the free cash seven hundred and three thousand.
6: So this this seven hundred and three thousand represents the seven hundred and three thousand dollars in new growth that is above and beyond the forecasted estimate at the close of the last fiscal year?
7: Correct.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you Councilor Knight.
2: Councilor Pears. I'll ask you a question too. Um, what, was there any consideration to using this money to address uh, budget cuts that were made in fiscal 21?
7: Well we used our local aid cuts to address the budget cuts in 21 and we also knew that we had to use our um, free cash to budget to balance the budget. And we didn't need to use as much as we took. And we know that we're going red and we, we, we're we not sure how next year is going to look. So we think the most prudent financial thing to do right now is to reprogram and bolster reserves for next year.
4: Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Councillor Pears. Vice President Carviello.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Alicia, uh, the union contracts that were ne- uh, negotiated, uh, which, which union is that with? That's the wrong one.
7: I don't... I believe we can discuss those right now. Uh, what we're discussing in negotiations, but I'll uh, turn that over to uh, Chief
4: Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And do we yeah, have any other? So as was
3: you know, uh, uh, a brief email sent over to council a couple months ago regarding the outstanding contracts there. No, have, which which uh, including the uh, police superiors, the newly formed dispatchers, uh, new <laughs> the newly formed inspectors, rack, and DPW uh, the superintendents. As well as uh, the, the newly formed dispatchers' unit so all three of those are still uh, pending
4: the negotiation uh, in varying stages of, of that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Dave, I, I, you said those are you said those those are pending.
3: Those are currently in the negotiation. Those
4: are currently pending. And um, the early retirement. Instead of how many uh, how many employees took up the early retirement instead of.
3: Well, that was a program that, we put, that was discussed during the budget process that we took a, a closer look at after the budget was passed. We got together with Alicia and we wanted to get the mayor's thoughts on this. Uh, we don't have an exact number. This is a placeholder number that we're putting in place uh, for now in order to uh, determine exactly how much money we might be able to offer during an early retirement incentive um, in varying degrees as we, as we figure out part of our process. Uh, so this is something that we plan to use going forward as a placeholder. Uh, we're not 100% sure it's exactly the, the incentive that we're going to be offering,
4: but we on offering an incentive of some varying degree at some point during the fiscal year. And the, um, the $200,000 for the facility maintenance, is that going to be spread out amongst all the buildings? Correct. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Vice President Kaviello. Any other questions? Oh, Councilor Knight.
4: Uh, thank you, Mr.
6: President. I'm um, through you to the Chief of Staff. Um, so if I'm understanding this correctly, we're asking for a $200,000 appropriation to go into the negotiated salaries account.
1: I'm confused. What?
6: That funding would or would not be subject to further appropriation after the contract is settled.
3: It will be, be subject to, to transfer. So once it's appropriated, we, we would transfer it out of the negotiated yeah, salaries sure. to, appropriate by cool. to address the, the obligations under the contract. So there's, there isn't another stop on the railroad through the council
6: because the the past practice has always been that the administration negotiates the contract they provide us with um the opportunity to vote on the compensation package and fund the contract at that okay. time um, so this seems to be a little bit different than that is, is that safe to say
3: it's different uh, i think if that's more style than substance um i don't think there, there will be the opportunity to discuss all those matters with the council prior to any further
0: so if, if I may, a lot of the questions that are being asked, <laughs> I think right now are pertaining to the next paper, which is 635. So this is 634, yep. which is for the 703,000.
10: <laughs>
0: 20634 Scott Okay, so on the motion of Councilor Scott Pelley to approve the paper, <laughs> <No>. seconded by <laughs> Councilor Bears. Clerk Kernobis, please call the roll. Councilor yes. Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraballo. Council yes.
3: Councilor Knight. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Sending the affirmative, zero and the negative, the motion passes. Walmart is suspension 20 635, communications from the Mayor, November 5th, 2020, to the Honorable President and members of the Metford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and City Council, as I respectfully request and recommend that your Honorable Body amends the fiscal 2021 budget, to appropriate $740,000 in 0 cents in available funds to the following departments as follows. Uh, $200,000 for union contracts, $100,000 for early retirement incentive. I'm sorry, so $200,000 union contracts, the account description is negotiated salaries. $100,000 early retirement incentives, account description is negotiated salaries. for translation services. And that's uh, the description of the accounts translation services. $95,000 for facilities, salary expense, facility managers, full-time salaries. $200,000 facilities maintenance, uh, that's for maintenance. The assessor, $65,000 for administrative assessor, that's full-time salaries. And for the police, $70,000 for the 911 supervisor, and that is full-time salaries. Alicia, would you like to uh, comment on this paper?
7: Yes. Um, So I know that the um, citizens and the council and the mayor, we were all talking about translation services that that's important. So that was added to be um, part of amending the budget. Um, Also part of this paper that 295,000 for the facilities manager and the facilities maintenance would create a new facilities department, which is greatly needed within the city. Uh, the assessor's 65,000 administrative assessor position. I've spoken to the assessor and uh, the assessor really needs that that position to help out with uh, going out assessing properties in addition to helping with uh, other administrative tasks. Uh, and the union contracts, the 200,000 would be put into the budget and then we would come back before you once contracts are settled for us to fund those and you accept those contracts.
1: Mr. President.
0: Yes, Council. actually, I'm sorry, Councilor Scarpelli had his first hand up, then Councilor Knight, then Councilor Marks. Councilor Scarpelli.
1: Uh, Thank you, Mr. President. I just, uh, thank you, Alicia, again. I just, I know the administration tried to reach out and I just didn't have time to uh, circle back with them. Um, I have a tough time tonight without, uh, these are some initiatives that we have talked about and waiting on, but there's a lot of of, uh, vagueness to it in the sense that, you know, the job description, of facilities manager, the facilities for $200,000, what that will entail, because, you know, we, we took a, ter- a tour of all the fire stations and it's going to be a lot more than 200,000. So I'd like to know, you know, more detail what what that would look like, wh- Where we're focusing on $200,000 for. And, you know, I know that um, Mr. Rodriguez talked about having the assessor getting more information and understanding you know the administra- the administrative assessor that how are we going to you know it's it's we we see more tenfold in hiring that position so you know I want to know more about the 911 supervisor and and what role they're playing and and how that's how that's working out so far before we commit to a supervisor position so there's there's some you know there are some there's a lot of variables here that I don't know if I I have I'm comfortable to vote on this money until I, I know more about that. And I, I don't think we can, that could be done in today's meeting. I, I you know I know that we put a lot of work to this, but at the same time, it, I do have questions. So I don't, um, that's the, where I stand. Through the chair
7: okay. to um, Councilor Scarpelli, I'm on the um, fire department task force. So I have toured all the fire stations and I absolutely do agree with you, $200,000 is not yeah. willing to fix them all right But facilities department, that's a step in the right direction. They need somebody that has that skill set to come in and look at those facilities and say, this is what needs to be done. This is what we need to do. This is how we should do it. We don't have anybody on staff with that kind of expertise. In addition, as far as any kind of maintenance that needs to be done, we don't have a maintenance budget. No, so I, this would, force some of those needs. Alicia, that, I, I,
1: I love the concept, but again, it when I'm voting on something, I wanna know more details of what this person's doing. And where, if this person just focuses on just doing the fire stations, there's a lot of the questions that we're talking about a building facility here. What we're doing with outside buildings? You know, what are they going to be working with the school system? What are the roles that they're going to be doing combined? You know, is it is it going to be too daunting for one facilities manager that if they are working as part of the 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 total facilities being with uh, the working giving time to the schools considering? that that's that's a daunting task so there's a lot of questions that you know and I appreciate what you're saying but I, again the job itself it, to me I just need more of an understanding what it's for so I can wrap myself around and understand this because this is something we've all pushed and this is something that we're all we all want but again I, you know to, to look at the big picture this just looks like in a sense uh, another you know another round of budgets and um, and, you know, because this, these are the changes we have, and the additional money that we have, so it would be nice to work on it. Well, I'd like to talk about it and get more details on it, if that, 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 that's all I'm saying. I, I appreciate you being on the, the task force, and you know, we all know that, you know, we can spend $200,000 on one of the stations. But, um, like I said, I know we need the facilities manager to outline that, but I, I do think that I, I need more information for what we're trying to do with that position and where we're going with it, so thank you.
3: Like you got yeah, those guys, through the through the chair. I think that, that that's always been a real, that's always been a, kind of the large question yeah. when it comes to facilities maintenance is what are the absolute needs, what are the must haves, what are the wants, and what are the wishes, and how do you categorize those, and how do you prioritize those, and how do you make sure that what needs to get done absolutely has to get done, um, and what can wait can wait, and how do you budget for that in a strategic, comprehensive way? And I think that's what this knowledgeable subject matter expert is going to be doing largely we have a large, large discussion internally about, about how that would work is this person somebody who's going to roll up their sleeves and actually work on facilities maintenance or is this somebody who's going to be more of a, of a higher level strategic facilities manager and we're still discussing that and how and we think it's going to be a little bit of that hybrid uh, at least at first in order to, to get the work done and, and think about how these things have to get done uh, in, a, in a long-term way and not just hop from one project to the next based upon questionable criteria so we want we, we know that there's a lot of needs we understand that there's a lot of a lot of asks and a lot of needs and a lot of must haves we want to make sure that we get this done thoughtfully and that we're spending the money in the best possible way
8: thank you thank you Scott uh, scarpelli councillor Marks. uh thank you mr president and i want to thank council scott pelly i think he hit uh the nail on the head um a- as uh, a member of this council i i would like to see mr president uh for any newly created position Uh, which uh, this request has several, that we receive a full job description on the position itself. Uh, I realize that the city administration probably put a lot of time and effort into this, but they have to realize we weren't privy to these conversations. Secondly, Mr. President, I would ask that um, when my colleagues are done speaking, that I would like to evoke Rule 20. Uh, for this particular paper it's the first time it has appeared on the council agenda and it's a financial paper and any request of a member of this council for a financial paper appearing for the first time gets automatically laid on the table for one week so i would say uh, when my colleagues are uh, done speaking i would like to evoke rule 20 mr president i would also ask that within this week that the city administration which is the the Chief of Staff along with the Mayor sit down with the City Clerk, uh, come up with uh, a a job description for the election coordinator, a salary for the election coordinator, and uh, what their responsibilities would be. And come back to us within a week uh, with that uh, title added to this particular list. And uh, if there's no money for the appropriation, I would ask that it be taken from the facilities line item of 200,000. Um, Minus whatever the salary for the election coordinator position would be. And when we receive the job description uh, for these other positions, that we also receive a new job description for the election coordinator, Mr. President, as well.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. So just to repeat, Councilor Marks, we'd like to uh, invoke Rule 20, which is Rule 20, Section 4 states any finance paper appearing on the Council agenda for the first time shall be automatically laid on the table for one week. What such action is requested by any counselor on that motion by Council Mark, seconded by Vice President Caviello, Counselor Morrell.
5: Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I, I wanna echo my fellow uh, council colleagues in that I I understand the acute and immediate need um, for these items listed here. But there's a, there are a lot of items um, with acute and immediate need. And I think just there's more information um, that this body requires before we can make a decision on this, I think as other colleagues have pointed out, just the understanding of which positions are new positions, um, which positions are, you know, replacing something that was cut, which I think there's just a, a real lack of information here. I do have a question. Um, if uh, through the chair for uh, Miss Emily Benjamin, um, if there was consideration for any of this uh, 700,000 to be put towards the schools and any of that budget, I know they had a bit of a larger hit than the city as far as cuts. So I'm curious what the thought process was there as far as applying this money um, entirely city side, as opposed to looking at the schools as they're obviously um, due to the pandemic. um, I understand there's a lot of money through cares and everything else going to the schools, but there's a a serious need there for support as well. So I'm curious the thought process behind that, um, why the funding is all on the city side versus considering the schools as well.
7: Right. So when we did the local aid when we looked at that, we did the 10% cut to the chapter 70, we gave the million dollars back to the schools to leave them unharmed as we had promised, but the unrestricted general government aid, we had deeply cut the city. Um, a lot of the, the city, where it looked like it increased, it really didn't. It's because the fixed costs are so high in the city side, which encompasses the schools that it gives that view of, Oh, the city's went up. It really hasn't. Um, When we looked at the positions, because we had cut the city so slim, we wanted to make sure to add things back that we thought were really, really important, such as the maintenance, the facilities manager, the 911, the assessor position that's needed in the assessor's office, translation services that were requested by the citizens, Um, was a really thoughtful, thoughtful process of what our needs were. It wasn't just a wish list, but what's needed, but at the same time, still keeping conservative because we don't know what q2 through q4 will look like even though we're on target for q1 we still want to make sure we're okay with the wake that is raising and with no stimulus in sight that we're conservative
5: okay thank you um i'd be curious um i guess in the form of a motion if we could get a list of the city side uh positions that are still outstanding separate from this um list that were requested and not funded
0: second so, uh, Council Morell, could you please uh, re- uh, repeat the amendment just uh, so the clerk can? Uh, sure. That? If,
5: if we could get a list of the city side positions that were requested in the previous budget and not funded, um, exclusive of, you know, separate from the ones that are listed on this request. Yes, get that. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that was seconded by Council Knight. So we have Vice President Caviello, Council Knight, Council Beers.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. President. Caviello. Famous, but I'm gonna I'm gonna support council Marks on his issue uh, with the election uh, uh, coordinator uh, you know the as, as we see as you know, we, we just got through an election throughout the country uh, elections have become more complex than they've ever ever been um, and the longer we wait to fund this position uh, the harder it's going to be because again not only are we going to need a coordinator but uh, the rules and the way we've done the elections over the years have vastly changed over the last four or five years. And again, it's, it's time that, we, that we, we bring our election department up to the standard that it needs to be. And I say, if, you know, if we're going to wait till after this election and then before you know it, be after January and before you know it, the new election is going to be around the corner and we're, and we're going to be still arguing about this. So uh, I'm not going to support anything that doesn't have the election coordinator in this, in this uh, package here, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Vice President Caviello, Council
4: Knight. Um, in looking at this, I, I certainly agree with my
6: colleagues in, in their positions. I have concerns over the you know, $300,000 in union contracts and only retirement incentives. I also have a concern over the $200,000 in uh, facility maintenance budget. Um, so you know, that's $500,000 of a seven thousand seven dollars $740,000 paper. Um, but there is one item that I look at, Mr. President, on this list, and that's the 911 supervisor. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a position that's my understanding. Was created out of need and necessity, um, you know. So I'm wondering if there's anybody available from the administration to talk a little bit about this expense, if a job description does exist for it, um, so on and so forth. I know that, um, you know, as we've been transitioning from uh, professional to civilian dispatches, um, we've had some bumps in the road. And um, if there's uh, a need for us to revisit this, then we should. Um, you know, when this council moved to support a move to civilian dispatching, uh, we did so as a cost savings measure but we don't want those cost savings measures to get in the way of public safety. Um, so with that being said, Mr. President, for a seven, $70,000 appropriation um, salary expense on this, I'm hoping that the administration uh, has a you know, uh, type of job description, um, and the reason I say that is because there was somebody that was already doing this work before it went to civilian dispatch. Um, so um, if there's anybody available that could speak to this, I think that that might be very helpful for us in preparing. Um, I mean, the paper's gonna get laid on the table no matter what, so we it's not gonna be voted on this evening, but if there's someone here that can provide us with some of that information, I think that'd be very helpful.
3: Sure, Lieutenant Rudolph from, from the Medford Police, who's the head of the PSAP, is here to answer questions about the 911 uh, Supervisors from
10: Rainer. Good evening, everyone. This is Lieutenant Mark Rudolph of the Memphis Police Department. I am the PSAP director, meaning I'm in charge of the 911 center by dispatching for both police, fire, and our EMS partner Armstrong Ambulance. Uh, The reasoning behind looking to hire a supervisor at this time, we've been operating the center now since June of last year uh, with originally 13 uh, dispatchers. We are at a level right now of 10. Uh, due to some uh, individuals that left for better paying positions at other locations once they had been trained, unfortunately. Uh, Currently, the purpose of hiring a a dispatch supervisor is multifaceted. The amount of work done inside a 911 center of of approximately 85 to 9,500 of them across the country is extremely critical. It is time uh, driven simply by fact that these are the very first first responders who initiate uh, receipt of the calls. They dispatch police fire and EMS appropriately. The dispatch supervisor's role simply is a shift supervisor is also a working dispatcher, but has a much higher level of certifications and training from the association from professional communications officers, which is a nationwide professional organization that certifies these individuals as well as other individuals that work uh, as police, fire, and EMS dispatchers. Uh, The goal behind hiring a dispatch supervisor obviously requires someone with a lot more experience. Uh, There is a job description that was created with input from my chief, my administrative captain, my operations captain, and I, in fact, wrote that dispatch supervisor job description. Um, I provided it over to the personnel department uh, Mr. Wasbond has that as well. He's also um, trimmed it a little bit to go out as a, if we do in fact get the positions um, monetary appropriation, he's already set up a, a slightly uh, shortened version to send out to uh, outlets that would be posting it for uh, potential hirees looking for that job. Uh, currently there are about 9,500 dispatch centers in the country. So having a dispatch supervisor at most locations, including in most of the PSAP 911 centers in the, the, currently in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, typically have a shift supervisor on every shift. We're looking for one dispatch supervisor that can basically handle that same workload, uh, rotating schedules so that he or she can actually interface with all of the dispatchers, continue their in-service training programs. As you all know, uh, the state 911 center training academy has been shut down since the beginning of COVID's hit across the country. So we are at a disadvantage, along with every other peace app across the country, in trying to hire people who are currently trained. Uh, hiring someone who is a uh, APCO certified uh, training officer, as well as a dispatch supervisor with experience, provides us the ability to be able to train our own personnel without having to send them through an in-house program. Uh, They are most all of the supervisory people that are working in 911 centers have currently APCO certifications for police dispatch, fire dispatch, and EMS dispatching. So the purpose uh, is multifaceted to have a dispatch supervisor that can not only handle day-to-day routine situations but also conduct training as a certified training officer under APCO certifications as well as state certification and that gives us the opportunity again to hire personnel that are currently not trained there are a number of applicants who have submitted applications to us over the past five months but unfortunately we have not been able to hire anybody that has training because the vast majority of them about 98 percent had no training or experience as a dispatcher in any 911 settings so bringing those people in is impossible at this time without having a certified training officer who's also a dispatch supervisor Uh, It is not just a a single ship job. They would be rotating throughout all three ships, seven days a week on a rotating schedule so that they could interface with every dispatch supervisor, with every dispatcher on each ship, find out who continues to need additional training, if anything, offer a new training, continue annual certification uh, in the different um, dispatch center uh, jobs, which are basically police, fire, and EMS on the other side. We are moving into a new dispatch center in probably about a week or two. And uh, the purpose of um, having a dispatch supervisor at that point allows us to professionalize our dispatch center even more. We have some really good dispatchers. They've already completed state training. Uh, they've been doing this now for over a year, in most cases, over a year and a half. And uh, for a couple of them that came in later in October, November, uh, close to a year now so they are doing a very good job there's still work to be done to continue their training you don't learn this job overnight it is one of the most difficult training programs going it is pressure driven and individually each of these individuals has been doing a very good job we continue our training program in-house but without the ability to hire a dispatch supervisor that can maintain. Uh, training programs that can help with the budget process, can help with uh, any disciplinary issues that may arise. It can help with continued training of all of these individuals. That brings about the ability for us to, um, to create a better environment, a better working environment, a better training environment, and an environment of professional dispatchers that are here to do their job to the citizens of Medford. So if you have any other questions, please feel free to ask um, and I'm here to, to listen and answer what I
6: can. Um, I just want to thank you, Lieutenant, for that uh, presentation. Uh, I think that that made me feel very confident and comfortable uh, moving forward. Uh, when I do
2: take a vote on this paper, that that's something that I will be supporting. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Council Knight. Councilor Beers.
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, question for, I believe, Mr. Rodriguez. Um, when could we expect another supplemental appropriation to come before the council? Do you have a timeline for that?
3: Yeah, supplemental appropriation would uh, would be dependent on supplemental revenue. Uh, so in, outside of that happening, I don't see another supplemental appropriation happening before the, the continuation of the budget process in the spring. Yeah.
0: Got
2: it. And I would just like to join with my colleagues and say that I think, uh, this supplemental appropriation should include the elections coordinator and I would not be voting to appropriate additional funds until such appropriation includes the elections coordinator. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Beers. Any other questions from the council? If, if I may, really quick, um, uh, I, I get a question regarding, um, well, first of all, I wanna say support uh, Council Marks. You mentioned the election coordinator. I think everyone has through the last few months. It's definitely something that is needed. And I think at one point, uh, there was maybe a recommendation that it come from, uh, uh, back, uh, come from maybe the facilities expense, but, um, and, uh, Alicia and, uh, uh, chief of staff Rodriguez with regard to the billboard agreement, and the extra 200, 250,000 that was not included in the budget. Has that been allocated yet? Is there any plans for that money? I know I recommended that it goes to the schools, but if not, I mean, is that something where we could allocate some of that money or some of that facilities money to the election coordinator and then backfill the facilities maintenance with some of the money from the billboard agreement?
7: As of, as of right now, um, as Chief Rodriguez has spoken to before, we're working on finalizing the capital improvement plan um, that's not finished yet, but there are some items, I know that the uh, mayor was looking to use
0: that money to fund. And can you elaborate on those?
3: Anybody? Until, yeah, that'll be part of the, the final CIP report, which we're expecting in December.
0: I'm sorry, what's the, ex- the expectation?
3: They, so that will be part of the, the final CIP report, which we presented to the council sometime in December. December, okay.
0: Any other questions from the council? Okay. So, uh, Rule 20 has been a vote, and this will lay on the table till next week. Okay. To back to order of on the motion of council tonight to revert back to the regular order of business. Second. second by council of bears Clerk Herneby, please call the roll.
2: Yes.
4: Vice Carabino, yes. Mack, yes. Marks,
0: yes.
8: Muriel, yes.
0: Yes. 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 Seven the affirmative, zero the negative. The motion passes. Let's revert to the regular order of business. We will go to hearings. Uh, this is actually hearings 20 600 petition for grant of location, national grid gas main locations, Method, Massachusetts City Clerk's Office. this is a, This is a continuation of a public hearing that we had uh two weeks ago and i believe at that time there were a number of questions that the council had and um let's see national grid was going to come back to us to answer those questions
8: motion to waive the
6: reading and reconvene the hearing
0: on the motion council of knight to waive Second. the reading and reconvene the hearing seconded by council of bears claude please call the roll council bears yes vice president yes council knight
2: yes
3: council yes yes yes
0: six in the affirmative one absent the motion passes and let's see we have do we have a representative from national grid on the line okay hi yes good evening i'm
9: diana Cuddy from national grid 70 sylvan Road, uh, waltham massachusetts
0: thank you for being with us tonight
9: thank
0: you uh there were
8: a number of questions last time i believe mr, mr. president Councilor marks Th- thank you mr president thank if you. i if i could there, there was a number of questions uh, the, uh, major question I believe was, um, by many of the, the council members was why this work was taking place. Gas work, uh, first of all, during the holidays and secondly, during cold winter months where it potentially, uh, could impact, uh, residents of this community. And we asked what the nature of the emergency was to do it at this particular time. So I'd like to hear, f- uh, a response from national grid. Right,
9: yeah. So I don't know the urgency with um, MWRA, but the um, staff engineer that did the design of the project reached out to the consultant that's doing the um, project management for this, um, for this project for MWRA, and they are um, willing to wait until the spring. Um, I can give you the exact words. Um, they're waiting until April to start the work. Uh, there is no immediate need to have this to be winter work but we would like to get all our uh, ducks in a row as they say. um, So we're not holding them up when they're ready to go.
8: So, so Mr. President, uh, that, that uh, is one, that's good news as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Another issue that uh, I brought up, uh, I believe it was last week or the week before, no week before because of the election, uh, was the fact that uh, item uh, bullet point number 12, was the scope of the MWRA Uh, section 57 project includes the resurfacing and striping uh, this portion of Riverside Ave. The engineering division requests that national grid contribute the cost of uh, final restoration to other paving in the city. And we got a commitment from our city engineer at the time that uh, the restoration and other paving uh, will indeed take place uh, on Riverside Ave to make sure the curbing uh, is brought up to standards, Mr. President. Uh, Currently, much of the curbing on Riverside Ave, uh, in this particular project span, uh, the curbing is level with the street, which poses a safety concern and a public safety risk for area residents that are walking. And uh, I know that language wasn't changed, but I want to make sure that that indeed is what's going to happen. So I'm not sure if we formally need to change this scope uh, of service uh bullet point 12 if there's a need or if the city engineer feels that uh that's not necessary i know he's on the call i thought is, i saw is, him earlier is, i think he did actually let's see so i think one of
9: the things Tim make ar- there he is um, was um, raising the curb then gives you a trip hazard between the sidewalk and the new curb um, even though the curb to the street is um, dot compliant um, so it opened up m- more cans of
0: worms type of, uh, type of thing, but I thought I saw yep, Tim's on the line, uh, given <laughs> our city engineer is on the line, Tim, okay.
11: I think, um, uh, good, good evening. Good evening. Uh, honorable council. I believe my uh, response is the same. So the, the, the scope of work for adding curbing to Riverside Avenue is is a separate type of scope than what MWRA has committed to in the resurfacing. So what I'm committing to is reviewing the condition of Riverside Avenue, which I have started, and putting together a scope of improvements on Riverside Avenue. How that gets done, I don't know the answer to that question yet. I know it needs to get done, um, but the utility work that is happening, they're obligated to, you know, and, I, and I've looked into this, they're obligated to put it back the way it was or better but adding design scope that could involve shifting entire sections of the roadway, elevation-wise, curbing-wise, that requires um, a review by the professional engineering, probably a firm, um, that probably even, we could probably do it in-house, but it's even a little, something that we'd probably want one of our on-call designers to look at. So it's, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's outside of the scope of what, they're obligated to do. My idea of uh, saying, well, they're obligated to restore it back to the condition it was or better, that obligation, uh, my idea in item 12 was to say, well, MWR is doing that already, so can we take that uh, obligated money and use it elsewhere or contribute to improvements on Riverside Avenue. Uh, And um, I have since received correspondence from uh, Ms. That the opinion of National Grid, and, and she can obviously speak to that, uh, is that that wouldn't be possible from a legal standpoint. So um, I did reply uh, with, with similar language to what I just made, as far as what they're obligated to do when they open the street um, and to try to figure out a way to, to um, you know, use that obligation somewhere else. Uh, but uh, they're pushing back on that, and I'll let Ms. Cuddy speak to that.
8: So, so, Mr. President, if I could. Yes. And I appreciate the uh, city engineer. So, so it's, it's my understanding that the MWRA is going to pay for the resurfacing and the striping of the portion of Riverside Ave that's going to be um, uh, torn up. Uh, this also st- states that National Grid is supposed to contribute to the final restoration project. Whereas the MWRA is paying for it, that money that the National Grid would be kicking in goes into just say a different part now and the city engineer said okay we'll take that different part and we'll use it for other paving in the city so my request two weeks ago was rather than looking at other paving areas in the city that's put it towards riverside ave we know there's work that needs to be done on the curbing and so forth so i can appreciate i can appreciate the fact that uh this is not part of uh the scope of the overall project what I'm asking is, as a city, that that money be dedicated to uh, the curbing on Riverside Ave. Um, I don't know what the uh, actual uh, final restoration uh, cost is. Uh, so is there any indication what this would cost, National Grid, or what money they'd be giving to the city?
11: I'm not sure if that work has been has been done. Um, it would, you know, if you were to, uh, the, Calculated based off of square footage of asphalt based off of the, the length of a uh, trench that I'm doing. Um, and again, I think last week when we talked about that, I thought that uh, seemed like a reasonable approach to, to have a contribution to the curbing redesign effort, basically. Uh, I thought that was reasonable. Um, and again, I received correspondence, uh, legal type correspondence from Ms. Cuddy, uh, pushing back on that. So, And uh, I since replied, saying that, uh, you know, that's a cast iron line in Riverside Avenue. It's gotta be replaced anyway. So this, there isn't, it isn't the number one, there isn't only a sole reason that they're doing this project. The Riverside Avenue gas line needs to be replaced at some point, it's been leaking for years. Um, so, you know, right. I thought that was a reasonable approach. I still believe it's a reasonable approach. So,
8: so my, my question to you, uh, Mr. Engineer is that uh, if we were to allow uh, the resurfacing and striping take place, at this particular juncture, that would preclude us down the line for raising our um, curbing, or would it make it more difficult at that particular point to do maybe curbing and sidewalk at a later date?
11: No, it wouldn't preclude it. Um, I think there's a question of creep when you come when you when you talk about pavement and slopes and how you tie things in. So that it may, you know, it, it's always a shame, right, to, to put down new work and then have to dig it up. But if we, if a whole bunch of utility work happens and then they, they put it back to, uh, you know, the way it was, better condition obviously than it is today, NWR, uh, I'm talking about. And then if we come in with a curbing and sidewalk design, uh, we're doing something very, very similar on Winthrop Street actually. The, the timing of things is such we would prefer to coordinate those two efforts so we're not duplicating work. That would be ideal, and that's what I would strive for, um, but is, does it preclude it? No. Nope. Okay,
8: so so just so I understand, National Grid's um, exception to this is not the fact that um, we want to do curbing, is the fact that they don't want to be involved in curbing. But the money that they give towards the project, uh, we can put towards curbing or whatever we want to do as a community. Correct?
9: Not exactly.
11: Uh, Yeah, I was going to let Ms. Cuddy uh, respond to that.
9: Uh, Um, So um, we've been asked by MWRA to move our gas main because it's above their main and they need to access it to do the infrastructure work that they want to do. Um, so this isn't a planned project for us. So MWRA will reimburse us to move our gas main to this other location, which I'm here requesting the grant allocation for. Um, but any any additional cost, this is a different type of grant allocation because it's a main replacement versus a new main where we pass um, additional um, cost to the customer. This type of added cost um, goes into our rate case, which then is paid by the customers and it's inequitable to have um gas customers paying for road improvements and non-gas customers not or people in other communities paying for road improvements in medford um so our legal department is really starting to scrutinize this type of stuff and um push back this got their attention because 1500 feet times 30 40 feet wide um times seven dollars a square foot which includes the police details of you know four hundred thousand dollars um that we would have had to incur and pass through the rate case for a project that we didn't initiate on our own um so you know so this funding for the paving isn't really something where um we can do at this point um you know, like I said, like I'll be back next week with another one for a customer who is willing to pay for um, these, these other charges, because it's to service them and their need. Um, and so we as National Grid will pass that cost on to the customer, it doesn't go into the rate right case, and it is an effect, you know, people trying to make ends meet with their utility bills.
8: Right, right. I mean, I, I think we're well aware of projects like we're going through right now with 3.2 miles of Eversource coming through the community that gives zero benefit to this community other than ripping up our streets, 3.2 miles of our street, and we get zero benefit. So I, I think we can appreciate the fact that um, you know, uh, that National Grid is doing this on behalf of the MWRA. My, my question is then the way this is worded. It says the scope of the MWRA section 57 project includes resurfacing and striping. So from what I understand is the MWRA is gonna pay for resurfacing and striping. Am I correct with that?
9: Yeah, because they're the last ones in. We're, okay. we're moving our gas main.
8: okay. Okay, okay. Just so, so the, the MWRA is paying for resurfacing and striping, uh, the portion of Riverside Ave. Then it goes on to say, the engineering division requests that national grid not the MWRA national grid contribute the cost of final restoration to other paving in the city. So it's our engineering department requesting not just MWRA, uh, do their surfacing and striping, but also now that national grid pay something towards other paving projects in the community. Is that not correct?
11: That was the wording. Yeah, you got the wording correct. And, uh, since, since, uh, last week, um, I said that your approach sounded reasonable as well and I'd be open to, to, changing,
8: to right, changing. Right, but, but for what I'm hearing now is that the other project can't be us putting that money into curbing on Riverside F. Not not, not National Grid, us as a community going off on our own and putting that money into curbing on Riverside F. Is that what I just not heard?
9: From Tim or from me? from Tim you no, was saying that it well, involves if, if to do to, to bring the curbing up to I mean you can correct me Tim but it then now the sidewalks too low That's a trip hazard um and you're grading
8: no, We 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 would replace the sidewalk as well. We wouldn't just raise curbing and leave the sidewalk.
0: Point of
2: well, information.
8: Um but but my but I just want to make
2: sure Point of information.
8: Point of information council I,
2: I just want to clarify um to Diana are you saying that no payment would be made at all regardless of the purpose,
9: right? Okay, got the last from
8: our legal department. I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what Council of Bears. Council
0: Beers, can you please your question, please?
2: Uh, my, no my question was National Grid is saying that no payment will be made regardless of the purpose, and I believe Miss Cuddy's answer was yes, no payment would be made, right? Okay. An
9: arbitrary amount, like you know, just some.
8: Okay, so, so the request from the engineer that would be voting on tonight that states that National Grid would contribute to the final cost is now different. That's for Tim.
1: A-
11: anyone, well, any,
8: anyone that wants to answer
11: it. National Grid is pushing back on that. National Grid does not want to um, have.
8: Okay, so if I, we were going to vote on this tonight, we're voting on this language that's in front of us. And we're hearing that they, they're not gonna honor this language.
11: That is what you're hearing.
9: Yeah, because the scope of the work, 1500 you know, linear feet times whatever, um, whether it's the curbing on both sides is 3000 linear feet or the, the paving of the street curb to curb. Um, like I said, that comes to about $400,000. Um,
6: Point of information, and Mr. The, President. I, I, I don't you? think anybody behind this rail cares how much it costs. Because once you guys pack up your trucks and put your shovels in your car and you drive away, we're stuck with the mess. So we don't really, I don't think anybody back here cares what it's going to cost National Grid.
11: Well,
9: it's, it's costing the ratepayers, and legally, um, there's a legal obligation through our rate case. Um, right, so,
8: this, so, we'll so, it, so let me, just so I understand, so if we made it as a condition, This says uh, the engineering division recommends that the grant location be approved with the following conditions. Now he doesn't recommend it unless it has these conditions. Am I correct, Mr. Engineer?
11: Um, Well, it's, it becomes a legal question because national grid is pushing back and saying, uh, we don't think item 12, we can do that legally. Uh, And um, from my understanding of the research I have done since we spoke last and what the legal obligations are. Um, According my understanding of it, the legal obligations when street opening permits happen to utilities would be to repair the surface to the condition it was or better. So you're putting it back to the way it was or better. Um, So there's a cost associated with that that National Grid is not paying for this project. So I'm recommending that that value be still put into Riverside Avenue. From who? So that that so, if this if this was only National Grid doing this work, the National Grid would be obligated to repair Riverside Ave to existing condition or better. Um, so back to the way it was. But they don't have to. They right now MWR has that scope, so MWR would be paying for that.
8: Uh, right. So, so wh- why Grid can't
11: saving that money? They don't need to. They don't need to do that.
8: So. so why why can't National Grid go back to the MWRA and say, you know what? We applied for a permit, and the city's requesting these conditions. And if you want the work done, these are the conditions they're requesting. Why why can't that be done? I understand National Grid's the middleman, but they're the ones applying for the for the uh, the permit. And if we're saying that we want X, Y, and Z done, these are the conditions, and National Grid says we can't do that, because legally we can't obligate ourselves to fix that that way, for whatever reason, they can't do it. Then they need to go back to the MWRA and say, this is the pushback from the city. The city wants X, Y, and Z done in order for you to get this project moved forward. I I, I don't understand why we have to back off as a community. Point of information, Mr. President? What information comes up like what this sounds like
6: to me, Mr. President is almost, um, you know, the street opening permit gets issued and the street gets ripped up and there's an obligation to restore the street to its previous condition, right? And if we have one entity that's going to do that and pay for it, there's two utilities that are involved, MWRA and national grid. Well, the obligation is to restore it to what it was. So it's almost like a double recovery. Right, we're getting paid for the same scope of work twice, but it's only getting done once. So I think that's what the preclusion is, you know what I mean? We're getting paid double time for the work that's being performed because one entity is responsible for it. The person that closes the street is responsible for that. So that money is getting spent by them and that's going into the community to restore it back to that original condition anything above and beyond that I think would be like a double recovery on the impact or the mitigation. You know what I mean? Uh, on the impact of the, the assessment but be above and beyond their obligation. That's what it sounds like to me anyway. Um, but I can understand what council max is saying. We were given a paper here that says approve it with these conditions and these conditions aren't being met. So I guess the question is, does this, does the city engineer want us to approve it with the conditions that he's put forth aren't being met?
11: Um, through the chair. And, uh, what I would respond to that is that those are my recommended conditions. The council does have the ability to change, you know, to adjust that. You know, I, I I've granted permission to, for that to happen. And I think it's reasonable the way that Councilor Marks described how he would like to change that. Um, and then the last time we met on this, I said, yes, that was reasonable. And I would be more than willing to support that change in language for that uh, item 12. Um, you know, and then also if uh, the council um, you know, has an understanding here that, uh, that uh, you know, the, the side that what National Grid is saying, and you want to, if you agree with that and you want to strike item 12, then I, I believe you can do that as well. Um, so, I mean, the idea, I, I'm always put in the position Point to of say, okay, utility companies coming to town, what, what should we be looking at? What is the scope that they should be doing? uh on behalf of the city so that's what i'm always trying to do so um, i'm trying to get get what i can out of this um out of this work and uh, you know and I, I would respond to, to miss Cuddy as well i don't think you know anybody was looking for four hundred thousand dollars i think it was a contribution based off of um you know
8: exactly typical- exactly mm-hmm. a contribution towards that particular project that we will do as a, a city we weren't looking yeah. for national grid to take on that project
1: you have a point of of information counselor scott pelly so my 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 question is simple um we've always done this for these these recommendations curb to curb is what we're always uh we're stressing uh the permit requested permits coming from national grid the only question i have before i vote no on this is why can't we have mw why isn't mwa asking for this permit as part as this, is this because right now the answer I want to vote on this is to make sure that that street is put back the way we said and what we just heard. What we just heard from National Grid, and the representative, they're not doing that. So why should I even vote for that?
9: Oh no, I, I believe MWR will restore the road curb to curb in the parts that are not under their scope. Where we're tying in on a side street about uh, 30 feet on a couple of side streets, we will also. Um, since we're disturbing it, we're bringing that also back curb to curb. Um, M, oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. MWRA, well, so yeah, I I think I was, what I was going with is um, they don't, I guess my understanding is they don't need a new granted location because they're not moving um, their location. We have to move ours so they can get to theirs. And Tim, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that.
2: You are correct.